0: Hello, 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 friends, and welcome to the She Finds Joy podcast, where we reclaim the super shiny lights that burn in each of us. I'm Kim Strobel, your truth-telling, real-talk happiness coach who believes in the power of showing up as our flossom selves, even and especially, my friends, when it comes to working through our hard stuff. After all, when we're playing in our arenas of bigness, life gets better as we get bolder. So buckle up for the no BS, zero fluff advice that gives you the small steps for big joy. One of the best things about She Finds Joy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other women who are creating more joy in their lives just like you. You can find us at kimstrobel.com forward slash she finds joy. All right, let's dive in to today's episode. Here we go. Well, welcome everyone. I am super excited to interview Colleen Elridge, a.k.a. Coach Colleen, and I want to tell you a little bit about her before she and I get into this discussion. Um, She is an internationally acclaimed life and leadership coach. She is an author and a speaker. Here's what I love about her. She is a transformative HR professional, which means this. She redesigned and ran a nationally recognized leadership program that helped individuals gain the skills needed to advance with their careers with astounding success. And the name of her book, oh my gosh, I can't even believe I get to interview an author here, but the name of her book is Monday Morning Pep Talks, and it was named as the top book for professional women by Success Magazine. Colleen's decade plus of HR experience led her to being known as the fixer, the one who's called to help organizations and leaders get back on track using her talents and passion to create better workplaces, better teams, and better results. Now, this is what I find super interesting. She found that she was in need of her own advice when she found out that a male coworker made significantly more money than she did, $33,000 to be exact. She realized she was not as upset by the money, but but rather the recognition that she had not advocated for herself. She had not created professional boundaries, and she had become a dependable resource for her employer, but had not taken stock of her most important resource which was herself. And so now this is exactly the work that she does. Um, She has spent the last six years coaching women um, on leadership, mindset, and success, as well as working with corporate clients such as Toyota, Walgreens, and Gals and Alltech to help them create stronger leaders. Oh my gosh. So I am so excited to have you on the show Um, I want to back up a minute because you and I had this most amazing, um, I was in Lexington, Kentucky. You saw it on Facebook, right? Kim's coming to Lexington to give a presentation. And I love that you reached out like, hello, Facebook friend. We are Facebook friends, Mm -hmm. but we don't really, um, know each other. So let's get together for dinner. Yep.
1: Yep. I was like, Hey girl, do you want to have dinner? And you were like, Oh my gosh. Yes. So.
0: I know it was amazing and I love that about Facebook and I love that ability to connect people um and so we were in the same town and we hooked up and had this conversation around exactly what you were talking about you know this idea of um women who are doing the same job as men and not making enough money and how do we really begin to advocate for ourselves in all areas of our life yes yeah. look like um And so we both have a little bit of laryngitis going on today. Yes, I know. I I,
1: I was like, I don't want to reschedule, but just share with the voice. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. So so this is kind of what I want to do. I want to take people back a little bit. um, And I would like for you to tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and your professional life. And what I mean by that is like beyond the bio that I just read. Take us back a little bit and tell us more about the dynamics of those those two pieces.
1: Yeah, so I always jokingly say I got C's in conduct in elementary school, and they would always say Colleen is an excellent student, but she talks too much. And so I kind of love that I get to talk for a living and get to teach people because that was kind of one of my biggest holdups growing up was just I love to talk. Um, But I also really loved people. And I would always tell my mom when I would get in trouble for talking, I was just trying to explain it to them that way they could understand. And and my mom would say, Colleen, that's not your job. That's the teacher's job. You know. (laughs) And so um, between that and like my love of Oprah, I just feel very fortunate that I get to do the work that I get to do to help people live these intentional lives. intentional workplaces. Um, I kind of fell into a job in HR that was not really my background. I was an anthropology major at um, an undergrad and I studied culture and it's interesting because that is one of the things that people will say to me when they bring me into work with their companies is that they thought it was interesting that I had an anthropology background. And so I learned how to study culture on this macro scale. And so I apply that to the work that I do with companies in a very micro way. Um, And so I just like I love people. I love this idea of culture impacting how we view the world. But I also developed this passion for women and leadership and recognizing that oftentimes women get in their own way when it comes to stepping into leadership we will say, oh, we're not ready yet, or we're first to kind of advocate for someone else. It's funny, just yesterday, I was having a conversation with a client, and she said a headhunter had reached out to her for a position, and she told the headhunter, oh, I really think that my husband would be better for this job. And I was like, girl, what? Like, no, but we do that all the time as women. It's like, if we don't think that we meet 100% of the criteria, we disqualify ourselves. So for me, it's how do I help women have the confidence to speak up, step up and show up in bigger ways. Um, So that's, I mean, that's kind of me in a nutshell. I was raised by a single mom. um, And a lot of the work that I do with um, women overcoming circumstances, that's a huge circumstance of mine that I feel like uh, was put on this earth to overcome that circumstance and to be an example to other people that circumstances do not equate outcomes. And so, um, that's, I just, I love the work that I get to do. That's just kind of me in a nutshell.
0: We talk about that a lot because the, the research, the happiness research says that, that circumstances really, um, account for only up to ten percent of a person's long term happiness. But yet we yeah. always let those circumstances <clears throat> we, we do. We have these mindsets that that um that we so many times have to shift within ourselves. Yep. It's not, we need to change the circumstance. It's that we yeah. have to shift our mindset around that circumstance. It's funny too, when you talk about the the woman who, um, women do downplay, right? And I think that men do the opposite. Men have like, many of them oh. have all the confidence in the world. And so yeah. they'll tell you they can do this job when they maybe only meet part of the criteria. Yeah. And then as women, we think we have to have all the boxes ticked or, you know, we're an imposter or we're, we can't show up and do the job. So I love that you you know, brought that to the forefront a little bit.
1: Well, I think the statistic is men only need to feel like they meet 30% of the criteria. And for women, it's between 90 to 95% before they will self-qualify
0: for the job. Isn't that, I love that statistic. I'm a nerd around the research. Wow yeah so okay i want to ask you this a real question then did you feel like you being in corporate america did you feel like you had two things going against you one you're a woman and two you're a black woman um
1: i would say there were there were definite situations that that maybe was a hindrance but then there were other situations that it was an advantage um because i felt like i could show up in different ways And people would almost like expect that from me because that would be the expectation is I'm going to be the person to speak up, right? And so um, part of my career, I was an investigator of harassment and discrimination complaints. And so that really, I think, allowed me this opportunity to develop um, confidence in telling people rights and wrongs. And to show up in that way and say, hey, no, that's not right. And here's why that's not right. And here's what you need to do to rectify that. I think it allowed me this unique opportunity that maybe other people couldn't call people out in certain ways, where it almost became the expectation for me to be that person.
0: I see. Because your track record was mm-hmm. clearly showing evidence of this is what we can expect from you.
1: Yes. And so, so I will then, tell you internally, the struggle was, um, especially when I started doing trainings and coaching on my own, was I always question, am I only being looked at or hired because I'm a black female, right? Oh, right. And as someone that's a speaker too, it became, um, you know, people would say, oh, you were so great. And it's like, am I only great because the expectation for what it means to be a black female on a stage. And so that became my own internal struggle more probably
0: than an external struggle right so because comparing yourself really still to the white woman who maybe at times you feel like has um, a different set of expectations around her before she yeah it's very even the man even the man that has the different set of expectations for yes how they show up on stage you
1: know
0: yeah and you know i was speaking to an author recently and um she was telling me that she landed this new job with this very high-end company Mm-hmm. And she actually had to bring her husband in to negotiate salary with her because, because, yeah, because she didn't feel heard as a woman. So her husband had to go in and negotiate mm-hmm. salary. And I was just like, oh, you know, like it just broke my heart, but yeah. I mean, at least she was willing to negotiate it.
1: It's True. Because of what I see often is most women just take the first offer. And when they take the first offer, they don't recognize that they're leaving at least 10 to 20% more on the table by just taking that first offer.
0: Yes. Yes. I love that. Okay. So
1: especially, I, sorry, let me, go let ahead. me think, especially with jobs, right? Like for business, that's a different ball game, but with jobs, one of the things that I stress to women is that it is not your organization's responsibility to make sure that you are paid well. That is your responsibility. Their responsibility is to make sure you produce the most results for the least amount of money. And so for you, as, for us as women, we have this responsibility to negotiate higher salaries because oftentimes it's like you'll do it for what you get offered to do it for, right? Right. Um, and we don't recognize that that's just a starting point. We don't know that we have the permission
0: to ask for more.
1: Yeah, that's just the starting point. And so that's always my big message for women is like, do not take the first offer.
0: I love that. I love that. Okay, so I want you to totally back up for us a Mm -hmm. minute. Take us way back to before you became this life coach and this trainer. I want to know what was life like for you? Mm Mm-hmm. And then I want to know how it has changed to get to where you are right now. So take me back, even if you want, take me back to your childhood. or Yeah. So um, I had an amazing
1: childhood. You know, it's interesting because my father passed away when I was younger and he committed suicide. And so that really did shape how I viewed the world, but it also was interesting because I didn't know that that's how he died until I was a teenager. Like my mom really tried to protect my brother and I from that reality. And I think for me, that shifted everything when I realized the truth, because all of a sudden, I felt like everything was a lie, right? And so now I'm processing this and it's a different um, set of emotions when you feel like someone's died of a heart attack versus someone dying from suicide, you know, kind of by their own fruition.
0: And let's talk about that a minute. Cause I think yeah. that's a very relevant topic. Explain yeah. that a little bit to me.
1: So, you know, I, I often say, especially when I tell people, um, you know that my father passed away when I was young. It is a different response if I' just leave it at that than if I tell them that he died by suicide and then it becomes almost this um, sense of pity that people have, and then I for a long time had this shame surrounding it, right because what does that say about me, and why did, would he leave me and you know I had all like all these daddy issues I went to therapy. Or, you know, it's like the, I felt very stereotypical in lots of ways because of that. But also, um, I also knew that that did not define who I was as a person. It was a part of who I was. And the older I get, the more gratitude I find for the gifts of that situation, which sounds weird. But every time I talk about this, someone will reach out to me and say, oh, I had a brother that committed suicide or I had a a father that committed suicide. Thank you for sharing that story because it makes me feel seen. And would that be the narrative that I want for myself? No, but it's a part of my story. But it also, through that journey and through the journey of forgiveness, which I talk about a lot in my book and I've talked about a lot in writings, um, taught me this sense of empathy that I would not have had had I not had this life experience. And so the way that I view the world and the way that I view other people's pain and the level of understanding that I try to have for people and like their stuff is elevated because of my own experience with pain and suffering and death and suicide. And I'm thankful for that. Like I'm thankful to have that lens because it gives me a greater sense of empathy and compassion.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by me and my She Finds Joy course. That's my 90-day guided journey that unleashes your happiness so you can make big things happen in your life. I know that each and every one of us is capable of having a monumental impact on the world. I also know that we are all capable of playing in the arena of bigness. I mean, I used to make $8 an hour. Now I make 20 times that amount. I used to be in an incredibly difficult marriage. Now I have an exceptional marriage much of the time. I used to see all my flaws and now I know and see that there's a lot of greatness inside of me. I used to think that my current circumstances were what was possible for my life and now I know better. And what do I know for sure? I know that there's a version of this that is possible for you too. I'm here to help you learn how, no matter where you're at in your happiness adventure where you're at when it comes to love, health, finances, happiness, and your career. I know that together we can spend three months reimagining what's possible for you. It all kicks off on January 21st, but our wait list is open right now. Be the first to know about the Insider Launch details. Go to kimstrobel.com forward slash she dash finds-joy-waitlist dash to get all the details. You know, that is one of the things that I teach so much in my program is, you know, how do we take these kind of these dark struggles and these okay. challenges and these adversities and not negate the pain, right? Because right. Yeah. we're not saying like, oh, I, I'm glad I chose to experience this exactly in life, or I'd want to experience it again. But the bottom line is this is an experience. And so how do you allow yourself to have the pain, but also how do you allow yourself to have a new perspective? And I, I say that with my, you know, with my panic attacks and stuff. Like, I mean, I, I, You know, I I despise those things at times, Um, but I also know that I would not be the happiness coach I am today without them, or um, nor would I see all the abundant and blessings around me because my brain focuses on those things now because I, I understand, I have a different perspective. And so I think this is such an important thing because all of us have really terrible struggles and challenges in our life and so Mm -hmm. what you've been able to do is look back and say you know but here's another story that's true about my life so there's the story of I grew up without a father and that was a suffering and it has defined me and I maybe even still have mindset issues inside of me because of that that is one story Yes. There's another story, which is because of that experience, Colleen now has this amazing compassion and empathy for the world and the people in it because of that experience. Yes. And
1: I think it, um, you know, when I first started going to therapy about it, I was 30 when I first started going to therapy about this and I was you know, a child when my father committed suicide. And so I had all these years of like the story that I had created about what that meant about me and what that meant about him and what that meant about my family. And um, so going to therapy was definitely a game changer, but I also remember making the conscious decision to forgive him. And when that happened, it was like everything changed but it got harder too, because I, I I just remember thinking, oh, I'm gonna forgive him. Let's wrap a bow on it and it's done. And then, like, um, I would go to weddings and go like watch these father daughter dances and be like visibly sweating and angered by these father daughter dances, right? And thinking, gosh, that's not fair to my friends that I'm standing over here like fuming mad about a beautiful experience for her. Um, And so I remember when I got married, getting really upset about, do I put my father's name on the invitation, right? Like things that I had not really thought through how this was going to work. And then just getting really angry that I had to even think about it because that's not fair. Right. And then I was like, Colleen, okay, it may not be fair, but like either put it on there or don't put it on there, but don't wallow in it. Right. Yeah. Cause you were um, resisting
0: what is, yeah, right? Exactly.
1: Exactly. And I think the greatest gift that I gave myself was the reality of this. And that is in my mind, I had created this story about what my life could have been like if my father had not passed away. And in my mind, that life was like a million times better than the life that I had. The reality is it could have been so much worse, right? Like we forget that it could have been a disaster. And so finding the gratitude of the fact that I knew that I was loved every single day by my mom. Like my mom told me from like the time I was born, I'm sure that I was the daughter that she always wanted and that I was loved and wanted. And I didn't realize how big of a gift that was until much later in life. And so many people don't get that message. So yeah, I didn't have a dad, but I had a mom that loved the hell out of me. And I have a brother who's 15 months older than me that is one of my best friends. And like we call our little family unit, the three amigos, because it was just the three of us. And so I'm finding gratitude for that changed everything. Um, And, and, you know, it's interesting. Last week I I walked into the salon and this girl was getting her hair done and her parents came in and her dad said to her, um, Oh, do you need money? Like, let me just pay for it. Right. And I had this moment, like I started crying because I was like, that is like what dads are supposed to do. And it was such a simple and beautiful moment that like, i wanted to like hug her and be like, you're so lucky that you get to have this experience that like your dad clearly cares for you and shows up and is like, wants to show you how he loves you by paying for your hair to get done. Um, But it also was like this healing moment for me because Other people in my life do that in other ways, right? Maybe it's not been my dad, but in other ways, my husband has shown up in big ways and my friends have shown up in big, big and small ways. And so it's like always wanting something that you could never have is what causes the misery, but finding how you can have it in other ways creates this sense of joy that I, I, I wish for everyone.
0: Well, I definitely want to talk more about forgiveness in a minute, but I have to share my own example because, because I get what you're saying. Like we get like, like that's a grief in your life and grief will always pop up. It never goes away. It's almost like, um, my, my own counselor who's been in my life for 20 years. Um, he's like my spiritual mentor, my counselor and my life coach wrapped up into one, but he always explained that grief was like, um, a train and there will always be like a new, box car that comes through, but it might not be as as potent as the one that came before it, you know, because, and so for me, I, I never wanted to just have one child. And so when my husband and I got married, my son Spencer was two, um, and, and, and Scott came into Spencer's life when he was young, like a baby. Um, and so, um, I always wanted to have another child, but at the time we also had custody of my husband's daughter and um, it just never felt like the right time to bring another child because, you know, it was chaotic and we were trying to meet her emotional needs as well. And so we just kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And long story short, um, I never lost the desire to have another one, but my husband was like forty six at the time. All this was kind of over, and he was like, "I just can't do it, Kim. Like, I can't do it." And that was a really a big grief in my life. Mm-hmm. I I became resentful of him. Um, I had to do a lot of work and coaching on my part, and so even now, and, and I've done my work on that, and I can see that there's another story there. And the other story is, is that if Kim Strobel had a four or five or six year old right now, she would not. Be running two businesses full time. She would not yeah. be traveling the country. Um, I get it, and I see that that perhaps there was a bigger plan in place that I didn't realize, and that I'm birthing a different kind of child. But yeah. even even now, when we're watching a show, and there's a mother who's like just like this last night, there was a pregnant woman, and I I got teary eyed because you know I. I always wanted to have another child, and that did not come to fruition in this life. Um, but but the can I is, say something I, though,
1: Kim? Because you, you did have another child, right? Like your stepdaughter was, you didn't birth another child, but you did have this other child that you were a part of raising. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I
0: was a big, I know it's, different. I know
1: it's so. different, but yeah, I, I, that's one of the things that I'm always really big on is like sometimes we ask for things and we don't recognize that we got exactly what we asked for. I know, right? showed up in a different way. You know? Yeah, yeah.
0: And I, I also have a, a little niece that I'm exceptionally close to. We mm-hmm. have this very unique bond. And so I do believe that God gives me these little blessings in other mm-hmm. forms. Um, and so I really had to work on forgiveness, but it doesn't mean I don't get triggered as well. But, but yeah. I will tell you, there are certain things I think that are just I want to talk about forgiveness. I think this is a big topic because darn it, Colleen, there are just some things I can't seem to forgive. Yeah. Certain people in my life who I feel like have done an injustice to me. And, and I know that this is my work. And yeah. I also know as a happiness coach that I'm only impeding my own levels of joy and happiness by holding on to it. Yeah. So what do you, how does that look like? What Do you have any tips or strategies or tools or what's the process for, really being like, I know I need to, and I can tell myself I have, but the bottom line is I got some ugliness inside of me still around that particular person or situation. Yeah. How do we coach so, ourselves through that?
1: I'll give you two things. One, um, and people always laugh when I tell them this, I only allow myself to not like three people at a time. I like and this. so for me, it's like, you know, I had this awful boss one time who I think will remain top of my list for a long time, right? I'm okay with that because everyone else that I feel like has like done me wrong in some way falls off the list. And so it kind of gives you this parameter because I think it's okay to feel hurt and pain and not want to forgive someone. I, I don't think that they're has to be this blanket apology and forgiveness that you spread out across the world. But I do think you have to rein it in because if not, it's easy to let that snowball and all of a sudden you're walking around angry and mad and overwhelmed because you're holding on to all of this, all of this that's not meant for you to hold on to. So I only allow myself to not like actively three people at one time.
0: You know that I actually okay see again as a woman I had the expectation that I'm not like I need to be perfect at this and so if there's still people so I'm feeling pretty good because I would say that yeah I, I'd say I have three three main ones that pop up from time to time but I I I do believe there's a lot that I've let go of
1: yeah so, and and that's part of why I love to frame it that way because then you do realize that you've done a lot of work already on forgiveness. And I think we focus on like the three that we're holding on to. And all of a sudden we feel like we don't forgive anyone when that's not the case.
0: I love that. All right, what's your second tip for us? And the
1: second thing is to recognize that forgiveness is not a one-time process. And I think that's what holds a lot of us up. Um, You know, with my dad, for example, I've written about this, every year since I decided to forgive him because every year something new comes up. And I think that we expect to make this decision to forgive and all of a sudden it's done. And we forget that like, like you said, with grief, it's the same thing with forgiveness. Like these things pop up that require you to make the choice to forgive again. And that's how I know that I make progress Is when I make the choice to forgive again, even when it hurts or even when it's painful, but I'm still making the choice from a place of love to forgive him again. You know? Um, and, And that's, those are like my two, like after, I would say the biggest forgiveness journey I've been on is with my, my father. And those have been two of my biggest takeaways
0: from that. So I guess then really it's, It's understanding that forgiveness is truly a process and we anger and um, kind of ill feelings will pop up from time to time. And rather than just immediately be grading ourselves for it, like, oh, here I go again. Look at me. I still am holding on to this, just giving ourselves a little bit of grace yeah. Um, and knowing that maybe we release it a little bit quicker than we yeah. did before, right? We don't hold on to it for months or weeks. Maybe I'm pissed off for two hours and then Kim's back to her joyful life, which I, I think now when I think about these people in my life, um, yeah, I, I mean, they sometimes get to me, but. I really don't let them take up as much space in my mind as I used to, so I need to start feeling way better about my forgiveness processes here exactly,
1: exactly, and I do think that you know I think especially as women, we just want to like avoid and move through the yucky feelings of anger of man, I can't believe I have to do this again, right when really that's part of the process. And I think when you know it's part of the process, you can expect that it's going to happen again. Like, I don't think that you ever fully just forgive, especially the deeper the pain is, right? Like, I, I do think it is one of my life's journey to always choose forgiveness for my father when things come up, you know, like, um, <clears throat> I had my big conference last week, and afterwards I was talking to my mom, and she said something like, I just get so angry sometimes because I watch you, and I watch your brother, and it's just not fair that like your dad doesn't get to see this, mm-hmm. and that is not the life that I had dreamed about when you, know, you all were born, and I was like, it may not be the life that you dreamed about, but man, how cool is it that you get to see it? Yeah, and how cool is it that Coleman gets to see it and that I get to do this, you know? Like when we spend so much time thinking about what it's not, we lose sight of what it is.
0: Yeah, and, and then we do have this nostalgia like we create yeah. this dream of what it would have been like, and nobody has that perfect dream no. life, but we do do it to ourselves. I know yeah. for me personally um one of the things that i have always struggled with is the fact that you know i did have to share this child who is you know the light of my life who is now 19 years old but i i had to share him every other weekend and and then sometimes on wednesdays on overnights and like i think i spent like i could have never stayed in that marriage i i just would have lost my soul if i had But I also know that, that, that my choosing of that meant that I also was making the choice to have to share this child. And for years, I couldn't wrap my head around, like, how did I do that? Like, it was just. Awful, and I would cry every week that it was his weekend to go with his dad. I would cry the whole week. This went on for years, you know. Um, and so as he was transitioning to college this year, I was on the phone with one of my life coaches, and I was just saying that part of what's coming up is not just that he's leaving, but I'm doing that whole scarcity mindset thing, which is okay, well, look at all the days that the, the, the person who got to raise their kid 365 days a year i missed out on how many days every year right. times 18 you know and um and so like that's what i was focused on and so my coach was like that is true right it is true that you didn't get your kid as much as the person who maybe stays in an unhappy marriage which does not do due diligence to the family either or right. the person who has a good marriage who actually got to have their kid but she's like Everything I hear you tell about Spencer, which is he's this super independent kid. He has resiliency that I have no idea where it came from. He has this confidence about himself. He navigates his world way differently than many kids. And she goes, what if the other story is that because he's had to do this back and forth his whole life, because he's had to build the capacity for himself to cope because he had to go back and forth between homes he has this amazing set of independent skills that yes. many kids who haven't had to endure that would not have and i kind of it was a really big aha right like i wouldn't have chose it and right. i wish that i could have married you know the right man right out of the gate and i wish i would have had a fulfilling marriage and i wish we would have been able to raise our children together of course, but, but perhaps this is Spencer's journey to developing into this, this really amazing version of himself because of his life circumstances, you know?
1: And I truly believe that you get the life that you are supposed to have. I do too. And I I think that like when you recognize that you know everything that's happening in your life, all of those circumstances are specifically for you, and what you do with them afterward is up to you like it's almost like empowering to be like, "Oh, okay, well, this was meant for me now. What am I going to do with it?"
0: Yes, and that's our challenge to our listeners. It's like how do we take um and I know like it, when we go through my program, I do a lot of work with women around this because we do hold on. To these things that were kind of um, how we've been wronged in our life. And so Mm -hmm. we really kind of do this whole coaching process where we are able to get them to a spot, which is like a whole new perspective on how we can use this circumstance to actually step into our authentic power. Yes. You know, how do we get out of victimhood and into warrior mode? Yes. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm having, by the way, I'm a little bit like, I'm going to go off on Squirrel on the movie Up. You know, Squirrel on the movie Up? Yes. So squirrel is like all over the place. And so I'm sitting here in my little room, I'm recording this podcast and I'm looking out the window and there's the sweetest little boy who's on this teeny tiny bike and he's like riding as fast as he can down my driveway. So oh. if you saw me just space out for a minute, it's because I'm having this like squirrel moment where I'm watching this little guy go I back love and, forth, that. and forth.
1: I love that oh because it's all about finding joy too. And like, I'm sure that little boy is having all kinds of joy riding.
0: Absolutely. Bike. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So This has been so helpful. I love that we just kind of went down the route of forgiveness and understanding that I always tell people you have to take 100% responsibility for your life. And so we all get crapped on, we all have things happen to us that that are not fair, but our part of that responsibility is, do we let that defeat us or do we let it kind of peel back the layers to a better version of who we are and how we want to show up in the world? Yeah. Uh, and so I appreciate that you shared your personal story with your father on that. And, um, and that we even talked a little bit about the suicide piece, because there's many, many layers that happen when people have had to endure someone in their family Um, who have undergone that. So I appreciate your vulnerability to even speak your truth about that today. Thank you.
1: You know, it's always so interesting because I never, that's never the game plan to talk about that. But when it comes up, I always like feel the sense of healing a little bit more just because I talk about it. Right. Yeah. And it's almost this reminder to myself that like you're good.
0: Yeah. I think when we put a voice to, um, our shame or mm-hmm. our um, vulnerabilities that we actually free it a little bit more every single time. Yes. So, so here's what I want to know. Being yes. the joy and happiness <clears throat> seeker and creator that I am, um and this being she finds joy. I want to know how is Colleen creating more joy in her life right now?
1: Yes. So, um movies right now like it is the best time of year to be a movie lover. And I, because I work for myself, love to schedule times during the day to go to movies. And here's why. (laughs) It's so cheesy. If you go to the movies at like 10 o'clock on a Tuesday, you're I'm like usually the only person in there. And I walk in and I'm like, welcome to my private theater. And it feels like the most luxurious experience, but it's cheaper to go during the day. And it's just me. And so I I can sit wherever I can. I mean, it's, I just love it. Like that is the big way that I.
0: That's a way that you're adding pleasure to your life. I love that. Yes.
1: Yeah. And so it's one of my favorite things to do. It is like the most radical act of self-care for me because I was the girl that growing up, if I would see people eating by themselves in restaurants would walk over and say, you can come eat with us. Like, please come eat with us. And my mom would be like calling People like eating by themselves. And I'm like, why? Why would anyone want to eat by themselves? So to to go from that girl who really kind of felt like, oh, I'm sure they're embarrassed to be eating by themselves. But now I like love going to movies by myself. I love that I get to decide what I think about the movie, too, yes. and don't have to, like, filter it through someone else's. Right.
0: Yeah. That you can be your own person here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so that is like, listen, I, I cannot wait till December because that's like my big, like I get a bunch of time off
0: and that's what I'm planning to do. Is You're just, like, just movie, movie, movie. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Okay, Colleen. So where can people find you? What, what, where can they find you? Um, and connect with you. Tell us yeah. about anything that you have up and coming.
1: Yeah, so I'm on Instagram and Facebook every day. And on Instagram, it's at Coach underscore Colleen. And that's C-O-L-E-N-E. On Facebook, it's just at Coach Colleen. And I post every morning a motivational message. I send out a pep talk every week, a Monday morning pep talk that's free. So you can sign up for that. And it's a theme for the entire week. So all of the social media posts go along with the theme for the week. So you can follow along and and do your own theme, or you can use the theme that we're excuse me all using for the week. Um, so that is the best way to get a hold of me. is on social media.
0: Excellent. Yes, and I I love your I was I was sharing some of your um, quotes because we we are right in the same um, mindset when it comes to a lot of things. And I was like, oh my goodness, I love this quote. I'm adding it to my story. So we'll yes. make sure we place all of that in the show notes as well. Um, okay. But Thank you so much for for just sharing your story and your vulnerability with us today and coaching us a little bit through through this um, idea of forgiveness. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. and I'm so excited for you and any I want to come back. like let's let's make a plan. I'll come back on and we'll talk about something else.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Whoop whoop. We did it. Thank you so much for joining me on the She Finds Joy podcast today. I'm super honored to share this space with you, and I hope you learned something new and helpful. As always, this conversation will be continued in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to kimstrobel.com forward slash She Finds Joy to connect with other joy seekers just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time joining the show, know that I am here every Wednesday with a brand new episode so make sure you subscribe go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode you can go to that directly if you go to kimstrobel.com forward slash podcast that will put you in apple podcast where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review If you scroll down just a little bit, you will be able to leave that five-star review and just leave me a few sentences, letting me know what you thought about the show. It really helps me. If you let me know how the show has impacted you and how you are striving for more joy in your life, you might be nominated to be the Joyful Woman of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more women unleash their happiness one daring day at a time. So please take a screenshot on your phone, share it out on social media, tag your friends, tag me at Kim Strobel Joy on Instagram or in our Facebook group, kimstrobel.com forward slash she finds joy. I'm quick to reply and I am super eager to send you some Facebook love. It makes my heart happy to be able to connect and surround myself with other women who are all ready to do this work. So thanks for being here and I'll be back next week. Until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you know that you are enough just as you are. Here's to finding more joy.